Today we discuss, are extremists more logical than moderates? Tim. This is a hypothesis I've had for some time that the, those on the extreme are more logically consistent than those who are on the moderates. It stems from libertarian economists Walter Bloch's argument that 2 plus 2 equals 4 versus 1 plus 1 equals 4. There's different numbers you can use. And they say the moderates would say, let's be moderate and say 3. Now, what Bloch would call this an unprincipled compromise. And I would as well. Uh, a lot of moderates in political and social and economic and religious life do exactly that. Um, the first example I'll discuss where I think this comes out is the minarchism versus anarchism debate, which within libertarianism, which again, is going to be considered the height of autism, I will admit that, but it's I think it's entirely consistent the anarchist position. If the state is considered a monopoly, which is inefficient at producing milk or cars or restaurants, then why would it be effective at law, legislation, defense, and other things? I mean, other than, otherwise, the arguments which classical liberals make, such as in Hans Hoppe's The Errors of, Democ Errors of Classical Liberalism in his book, wonderful book, Democracy, the God That Failed, the errors that classical liberals make on the legitimacy of monopolies only account for less important things, not really important things. Kinsella has a joke that minarchists, uh, when minarchists only want the state to do really important things. Um, this is all the more the case if you hate the state with your belly, as Murray Rothbard accused David Friedman, who himself is an anarchist, of not doing. Um, so minarchism is inconsistent, and as we argue in our own episode, like episode 40, on our Ed Fezzer theory of the state, Ed Fezzer is a Catholic who's an ex-libertarian, um, they oftentimes have Lockean provisos and loopholes, which you can drive trucks through them. So there's, there's, a, there's a first issue, I think, where the extremes are more consistent. Um, abortion, another area. I'll just do a cursory touch. We had discussed this um, on an episode, well, two episodes, actually, um, um, and maybe even three episodes of Why Do People Have Children? Um, in the gov a governor that a governor that was running for a, a state in the United States, as well as Trump, made the comment that if the woman uh, commits abortion, abortion, they should get the death penalty or life in prison. And many people, many pro-life people, got annoyed at, "Oh, this is outrageous! You can't say that." But to me, it's entirely logical. If abortion is murder, then whatever the person did gets the penalty. You know, if it's just a clump of cells, then it's not murder. Um, now, there's even a more extreme position, which we also discussed, um, and Peter Diamond, of all people, who's a set of agantivists, I probably said that wrong, um, this great four-hour YouTube video on uh, uh, on um, the Catholic, um, he's from Ohio, I forget his name, um, I'll think of it later, when he had a debate on it, and in, funnily enough, one of his comments was he thought that uh, the even the church's teaching on NFP is wrong if you create a scheme um, to avoid children out there. It's 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 contraceptive in nature and in intent. Um, it's a kind of private murder. But again, that's an extreme position. I don't know. I'm single guy, so you know you could argue that, that this is an extreme position. So is Diamond. Um, this is only like a sort of autistic private position. Debate over slavery. You know, if you go through American school system, you get a lot of and for good reason, the U.S. Civil War is a major event in American and if not world history. Um, if you go through American uh, history, whether on your own and more private study or in the mainstream classes at universities or high schools, you're going to hear a lot about it. And one thing you'll find is that the people in the middle are the most inconsistent. You know, the, the Southern radicals, the fire eaters, as they called, who wanted to expand slavery, reopen the slave trade, are very consistent. And the Northern radicals, like um, Thaddeus Stevens, I forget, I think that's William Lord Garrison and others, they're also very consistent. The ones in the middle who want slavery here but not there, they, they don't want to, you know, as you know, as Tom Lorenzo would bring up, they don't want to have sex with, with blacks or things like that. They're the ones who are inconsistent. Um, the ones who just don't want it in the, so, the new territories or whatever, or don't like the fact that they're be, the, like the Irish laborers who didn't like competing with, with, which is one of the reasons why the minimum wage exists. Um, Irish laborers didn't like competing with uh, a labor in the South. And, the, and you get the Southerners who wanted to expand it, who argue that slavery was a better form of economy than uh, slaveholding. So those are some examples here. And I'll, a recent example, I think, which actually is why Tom Lorenzo, one thing, to, as much as I like Tom Lorenzo, 
I think one thing you used to be wrong about is emancipated compensation. That's a thing that, that Lorenzo was brought up, I think, in his Jaffa debate. I think, uh, even though I like Lorenzo's book, he's a regular guest on the Woods show, he's a regular guest at the PFS Society. Uh, but, like, if slavery is an evil, paying people in the Pergovian sense, I think, is... Uh, this is where Pergovian-type taxes or, or payouts is kind of weird. It might be tactically useful, but... It, it doesn't seem particularly "quote unquote" just. Now you could say there's no justice in politics, and I'd argue justice is sort of a a weird concept to begin with. Um, the next example, the recent example, Israel Palestine. I think a lot of the people in the middle have no clear solution for their problem. We've had two episodes with Keith Preston on this. Um, it seems like the single state liberal democracy, where everyone identifies as Zionist or Hamas. It's just a recipe for inter-ethnic conflict of like, of like, you know, ghetto warfare. Basically, um, the you know the they could they could they could all assimilate and become like kind of Americanized liberals of the fifty-first state, um, and have like you know, uh, the, the Palestinian rights be defended. But that's an absurd thing. That would require that that that's not happening anytime. Well, it actually, could happen. Um, but they couldn't identify as Zionists, or they couldn't identify as Hamas, or they couldn't identify as Palestinians, um, or they couldn't identify as getting huge subsidies like the Orthodox do. So a lot of the solutions there don't really make sense. It's either one will win, or the other will, will and the other, by definition, will lose, and, and so forth. And my final thing is theism. I've been rambling on here a little bit, but same thing. It seems like even Christ and Paul, I would point out, more or less state this, by the way. You know, lukewarm theism seems to be none at all. You know, spit you out, basically. And Christ and Paul themselves seem to be extremists in their practice. As is, I would I think, Aquinas, Augustine, Edwards, Luther, Zwingli, and Calvin. I'd also add Joel Osteen and David Bentley Hart to that list. They all are logical extremists when you read their writings. Um, you know, uh, and so forth. So the, I'll stop there. Those are five big issues I brought up here, maybe six, where I think the extremes are right. What I got this idea is from the Stanford Policy Center they had a study on cross-partisanship and bipartisanship. Turns out the people who are bipartisan in like Facebook comments are tendly, tend to be inconsistent. So when you ask people who have like moderate views on COVID masking, for a say, they wear it sometimes. They really, they really don't have a consistent position. You and I are consistent by not wearing it, not getting VAX, or not, you know, and not like obeying the lockdown orders, unless, unless you're totally gunpoint. The people in the middle, inconsistent. On the other side, the people who wear double masks, um, lined up in a stadium to get it, stay inside like Nassim Taleb, they're consistent. Um, also, so in that sense, the extremes. At least on a like a action level and intellectual level, seem to be consistent. So I think what would be some counter arguments against this? Do you think my hypothesis? I didn't say theory. I said hypothesis is right in the sense that the extremists make more well, sense than the moderates. Okay, so I'm sympathetic to your position. Uh, if I was trying to make the best case as to why the extremists are wrong, um, would be well. Firstly, the extremists may be more consistent with the premises that they hold. Um, so, for instance, supposing that you held the view that uh, premise abortion is murder, mother kills a child, therefore mother is um, guilty of murder and such is should be subject to whatever punishment you think should be applied in cases of murder. That, that that that's obviously um, consistent. It's 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 technically valid. Uh, the question that arises, though, whether or not the premises of the extremists are true. So their arguments may not be sound, even though they're valid, because soundness requires that the premises be true, and so the premises may be false. So uh, let's take some of the more. Uh, radical environmentalist types that basically take the premise that human impact is bad that's essentially a premise and they consistent that they're consistent with their views following from that and um 
that's sort of a valid position in the technical logical sense, but you know, is human impact bad? Well, that's not immediately obvious. Um, so that you could say the issues are more valid, or the the well, I suppose you could say if if an argument is even slightly inconsistent, it's not valid. But you you see my point. So 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 there's um. So you could say, well, yes, they're valid, but their premises are false. Um, now, with the moderates, how could you best defend the moderate? Um, I suppose you could. Def- so that's a criticism against the extremists. How to defend the moderate? Uh, the best defense of the moderate position, say with the slavery example, is, well, yes, they know that slavery is wrong and really that it's unjust to uh, compensate slaveholders. However, we need to take into account a broader principle when it comes to law, which is one of good order and right ordering of society for the best outcomes for most people. Something like consequentialist position, although not necessarily strictly in the sort of calculable utilitarian sense. And so, well, the outcomes, if we just sort of uh, were to expropriate, well, not really expropriate, take the sl- you can't really take the slaves back because you're not supposed to own them. But, you know, you, you forcibly free the slaves um and uh this would cause some semi social problems and so uh for that reason we have to use these sort of inconsistent methods because we just need to smooth the ride because the overarch overarching principle is uh sort of right or a rightly ordered society and to get there we might have to be a bit inconsistent to smooth the edges to get to where we want to be now i suppose you could argue but ultimately, that's a valid conclusion, given the premise. It's just that um, a lot of moderates may not be uh, verbally dexterous enough or self-aware enough to realise that that is, in fact, their uh, premise um, that they're ultimately working from. It might take some sort of discussion to figure out well, what that is actually their their sort of ultimate sort of uh, political premise. And then you could argue that, well, their position's even though also you could say complicated in some respects, uh, uh, um, uh, is the best way of going. And another way of defending the moderates, you could argue, is that the moderates are sort of uh, whole common sense. They don't really have abstract principles that they follow. This is sort of like the the kind of like the the defense of broad conservatism as against sort of uh, ideology, as the sort of conservatives say. We're not starting with these abstract principles. It's kind of like pragmatism and what has worked in the past and whilst uh their arguments may seem a bit inconsistent it's more of a case that they have some sort of pragmatic premise not some sort of abstract one say abortion is wrong uh, sorry abortion is murder or um human impact is bad they'll just go well you know what what kind of works um so i would say those would be the best defenses uh i could raise for the moderate um what do you think of the defenses are the defenses good defenses or do they have lots of holes in them there are good defenses um your point about conservative is being uh, not sorting from abstract principles and then going forward is exactly the argument that todd lewis made to me on his show in praise of folly i was on there maybe six years ago um uh, talking about epistemology uh but note, conservatives, when they argue for the existence of God, or argue for the existence of the state, or argue for the existence of other key things, tend to give you a priori abstract arguments. Um, the Kalam cosmological argument, or Aquinas' argument, proofs for the existence of gods, they're not, they're rather extreme. Like, you know, everything has cause, or something like that. They're not, therefore, you know, theism. Uh, it's it's when when you push them on essential things like like state or like uh, uh God's existence or something like that, um, there they they go full. Now you could say, well, that's not really pertinent to everyday life, but I, I think they would say the state or or Christianity is pertinent to everyday life. Um, so why not use your abstract reasoning more often here? in that sense, to get to other conclusions here. So you could say there's a certain left-wingness to this. And I could have brought up Marxism as an example. You know, the Marxists have a rational, rational theory about the state. And Hans Hoppe, who's ex-Marxist of some stripe, I mean, there's this always, there's always I, 
Chomsky will make fun of X Marxists, which I think I think there's there's a certain criticism of X Marxists, which I think is true that like how much of a Marxist were we actually were to begin with, sort of like ex Catholics or ex Protestants, you know. Uh, but um, Kopp was very sympathetic. He has a whole lecture slash article on the Austrians and similarities to the Austrian Marxist class critiques. Uh, and actually, to go back to my extremist position, I think people like Caleb Malpin, Chris Coutron, and others are a lot more consistent than, you know, social democrats, for example, here, on, like, the part of the party in the state. So, Swithin, what do you make of the idea that, like, like if, pe- if, if, if I were to sit down to talk about, like, rights or, or the state or the existence of God, you'd probably give me, your conservative would probably give me a very abstract what I would call extreme argument. Would you agree with that characterization? And do you think, you know, do you think they should then continue to follow that ideas elsewhere? Or or is this sort of more ad hoc thinking of using common sense more applicable here in, in, in most areas, if anything, in, in, in therefore all areas? Swithin? I do think it's an interesting point. The reason, uh, especially because um, if you get a theist to argue with an atheist, the atheist will effectively admit some form of bruteness or something that is unexplainable. And the theist will push him on, well, no, I mean, surely if, any, if, some, if even one thing is unexplainable, then the entire system collapses and it's inexplicable and we don't know anything. And since we do know something, then we can't have anything that's inexplicable. So th- they would really push that. I mean, especially if you get... Um, uh, people with sort of like um, you know, sort of uh, PSR style arguments for God, the, um, uh, things either have an exp- what explains something is either something else or the thing itself, and you know, and therefore the only thing that sort of can explain its own existence, for instance, is God. Uh, and so they do push that, but then when they go to um, the uh, the social realm, they tend not to do that. Um, which, yeah, I, I, it is something consistent. Although what you could say is what hasn't happened, and I suppose this is probably the best defense of sort of the conservative position, is you, you, what, what is required is a new sort of uh, Walter Block of um, natural law political theory to sort of make the conservative case conscious uh, in, w- in, in in the way that it hadn't been before. Uh, it kind of just been assumed and we know we've got this sort of very analytical sort of um, mind-centred post-Cartesian way of doing philosophy and we, 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 we need to do that. Um, and I think that's true to some extent because, I mean, you could argue that some of the uh, I haven't I've read bits of it. Sort of, uh, you mentioned Ephesia, he had the Aristotle's Revenge and the return of sort of Aristotelian style uh, arguments in sort of physics and chemistry, uh, a way of looking at the world, which is uh, you could argue a m- more conceptually rich but kind of more complicated version than say classic deterministic materialism. Um, so I mean, you could say. Um, the mechanistic view of the universe basically has only uh, efficient and material causation. Um, and you could say, oh, that looks really impressive. And so, oh, yes, oh, you don't need formal and final causation. That's just superstitious and nonsense. And then Phaser argues, rightly or wrongly, that we'll actually know in modern finds in physical chemistry actually require that. So it could well be the case that the conservative position is actually, even though it's like the common sense position to theoretically articulate why it's correct, actually requires significantly greater levels of sophistication than does to take a materialist, determinist position. Uh, and because that's quite, quite quite difficult, they kind of default back to sort of like the, uh, the intuitive, sort of prag- pragmatic kind of position. Um, but uh, so 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 yeah, I, I do think that's the case. Although, as I said, when it comes to law, I mean, you and, and politics. If you do push them, and some of them do, they they will point to things about. You know, I, I, I suppose you could say it's an empty box. You use like your know, human flourishing and 
concepts like that, which you could say are really sort of somewhat ill-defined. And so that they really do need to be a lot more precise with what they're arguing for uh, to be more consistent. Uh, and, and it isn't really systematic. When conservatives attack libertarian anarchists or just, just general vanilla libertarian minarchists, or for that matter, when like some we had recently on Renaissance or whatever, I forget the title's name, we had uh, talked about Schmidt. Um, the, like, there's two ways to anarchism to me. There's like the pragmatic road where you just sort of, uh, think about the state and you just sort of, well, do we really need that to do roads? Okay, I think we can imagine private roads. If anything, the left and certain paleos dislike Roger Scruton, dislike roads and railroads. So, you know, the fact that libertarians might not build roads, for example, might be a good thing. And that's, that's an extreme position, but it's probably a true position. You know, maybe we shouldn't have large. If you really think interstate highways destroy tight-knit communities, then maybe they shouldn't have been built to begin with. Anyway, we could just have boats and flying cars instead. Just a sort of counterexample here. And there's an a priori way to libertarianism, as Hans Hoppe does in his book, Democracy, the God that Failed. And in particular, his chapter of Errors of Classical Liberalism, I bring that up all the time. But um, uh, that that's sort of the a priori autistic way to libertarianism, where you think about the state, you think about aggression. Um, are there a class of people who are allowed to do things, that, another class of people that aren't allowed to do things? Uh, you know, you know, if 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 someone held someone kidnapped, that'd be known as kidnapping. If taxation, on the other hand, is permitted, so so it's you know it's a it's a so, so in that sense, when conservatives go after libertarians for this reason, I think there, there are multiple roads you can get to the same destination here. Um, I do think this is one of the errors of conservatism on social issues, where they're fighting against the left, who are extremists, and they'll admit that. Um, like, the left has a very clear view. Now, one way to attack the left on this is to get them into their details. Uh, so, like, their views on the family, for example. Um, does the left want to, like, the left is probably individualists in, in core much more than the libertarians are, although the, the, the conservatives, of course, will accuse the libertarians of the same thing. But notice, notice they're going off against extremists in, in their views. They want, they either think marriage is a slavery, you know, we've done an episode on that, or, or and they think that, or they think that the church is slavery. They don't think the church is an institution that should be tolerated, should be abolished, um, now, they might not hold that as a public view all the time, but their private extreme position, which is the one they work for, their actions probably motivate from them, um, is that. Uh, so that that would be my, that would be my, I think that's one of the reasons why conservatives, as much as I follow some Marxists, I do think on social matters, the Marxists have more or less won in some sense. Now, I, I, I much to the chagrin of certain paleos, I think Christianity has huge influence in this. Um, and this it was a complicated position. I don't really want to get to it into it today. Um, but do you think that's one of the reasons why, quote unquote, conservatives in the past hundred years in the United States and Britain haven't really been able to conserve anything of any significance? I assume you'd agree on social matters and even ca even economic matters. We have a managed society with, with central banks and other things. So, what would you make of a creed? Do you think this is? Do you think this sort of lack there of extremism? is a motivating factor of why the left has, well, the left has its own version of extremism. And again, there might be internally inconsistent on some level, probably. So if you go full autist against them, they might, but that, that would be my, that would be my way of, of thinking about it. So then any, any comments on this? I think the conservative mindset uh, tends to shy away from systematizing in a certain sense. And so, in a, in a way, trying to articulate a positive vision is antithetical to the concept of conservatism itself because, well, we don't really have visions because visions are bad because that's what the left do. Uh, and so uh, they've very much been on the back foot, uh, especially since the French Revolution. Um, additionally, um, because of... The falling, fa uh, fa falling in favor of the concepts of sort of things like um, final causation in in reality itself. So the idea that objects in reality actually have inbuilt directedness, 
uh, has sort of, and, and therefore things like natural law theory make no practical sense. And because really natural law theory is kind of the most sort of intellectually consistent uh, version of uh, conservatism, uh, more like politically or just sort of ethical theory. Uh, but in the absence, but since that was performed significantly out of favour as being, well, being superseded by mechanism, uh, mechanistic philosophy, um, any sort of attempt at sort of rational, built-up theory of um, of law or uh, and things uh, is is not possible. Um, and I think that has caused a problem. So uh, there's a book I really ought to get to, which I've got somewhere, uh, which kind of helps with this. It's not a moral theory. It, it's um, a book by David Oderberg called The Metaphysics of Good and Evil and using the idea of uh, Aristotle's act and potency. And um, potency requires a final causation because to be in potency uh, means to be in potency for something, which means a, a goal directed. And trying to decide... In a, so the idea here is you have the idea of metaphysical goodness and badness. So like a, a tree which has very few branches or few leaves and doesn't grow very high is a metaphysically bad tree because not fulfilling the goal to which it's directed. That is being large and having lots of leaves and stuff like that. Um, and, and this kind of analysis on POM, which you would then base sort of like moral analysis is something that's been sort of not done by the, um, uh, by, um, by conservatives. Also, as well, I think some of the concerns that sort of the progressives, the vaccine progressives had about uh, mass society are kind of implicitly, well, they're held by conservatives who think, okay, yes, we need a way of organizing lots of people in one place. We can't use the old systems because they don't really work in the same way uh, in like a large sort of city. And so, again, the, the kind of pragmatic bent um, moves them in that sort of um direction and so with like central banks and things and mass society um for whatever reason you had the idea uh, that well the idea that well basically there's lots of stupid people and they need to be organized by people who aren't stupid uh, with the idea that well the not stupid people actually were able to do that uh but that's really i think why um sort of central banking and mass society uh, those mass sort of uh the institutions to organize mass society arose and, and as I say, been in the back foot ever since. The progressives are still in charge. It's just they've done a U-turn on such a revolution and race. Otherwise, they're essentially the same people who kind of really got into power in America in the post-war uh, between the states, quote-unquote, civil war period. And in the UK, from the Reform Act, it's hard to say exactly in the UK, but certainly by the late 19th century. I brought that up. I brought that up because you responded to an argument, which I, uh, you know, I've had this hypothesis for some time that the extremists are right. I would say that the terrorists are another example where um, the only people who are willing to do terrorist acts are, by definition, extremists. Um, I this was a political. I had a political science class on terrorism. And one thing that's oftentimes stated is is that contrary to what um, George Bush or Benjamin Netanyahu or, or, or the Charles de Gaulle or, or Winston Churchill would say, um, terrorism does work. Um, if you're, if, if you have a kind of goals that can be brought about by terrorism, um, if, if your goal is a kind of libertarian, libertarian, liberation, national liberation struggle, you know, blowing up French infrastructure in Algeria would probably work. And it does work, you know, Taliban blowing up, you know, a few tanks and a few buildings, that's if the no normal story is true. Again, I know Building 7, blah, blah, blah. Um, but terrorism as an action has many, you know, empirical instances where it more or less works. Now, again, terrorism does not work if you want to, like, there, there's certain ways in which it doesn't work. You know, there's certain goals that cannot be brought about by that. Um, but if your goals are certain in limited in a certain sense, then it can work. It can strike. can make, it raises the cost of an occupation or... Thing like that or something like that to a such a high level that you know no one wants to go through with it you could argue that nuclear weapons in a sense uh do this so so i will say the, but 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 the only people who do it and they do take drugs but the only people who are willing to go to this level 
whether in any in almost any event are by definition extremists. They have to care a lot about their actions. Um, to enough degree. You posted an article about how the suffragettes in England were somewhat terrorists. I would say the suffragettes have won. Again, they they haven't won their like beatific vision version of feminism. Um, but the suffragettes clearly have equal quote unquote rights to the extent that women are equal. Um, which again, this is this is another reason why conservatives might lose because conservatives as are progressives going the speed limit, um, which is fine. But then they shouldn't they shouldn't actually be that concerned about things changing because they actually deep down agree with the changes. They just don't always admit that. Uh, that could be me too. I'm not entirely sure how <clears throat> quote unquote right wing or reactionary myself is, um, but. That would be my ex- that, my first inclination to this was on terrorism. So normies will say terrorism is heinous act and so forth, um, which on sort of strict logical view it is. Um, but on a sort of more larger act, Norman Finkelstein, for example, defended um, some slave rebellions by John Brown and Nat Turner uh, in the 1830s and 1850s, which... Uh, you know, they would say that Frederick Douglass and so forth, uh, later people would look back at their actions and they were inspired by them. Um, they also forced the South to implement the uh, uh, Fugitive Slave Act, um, which radicalized the North in a way that it couldn't have. Same way with Israel here. You know, they killed, it turns out, I was re- watching Scott Ritter and, uh, 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 no, Scott Horton, and uh, and Judge Napolitano turns out friendly fire probably killed half of the Hamas. I should be careful. Uh, Israel was panicked. They sent in helicopters. They they probably killed some of their own hostages anyway. Uh, but anyway, even if they killed all fifteen hundred of them, they had that effect of radicalizing Saudi Arabia, radicalizing Iran, radicalizing Hezbollah, um, and so forth. But if you think about on first person view, who would do something like crazy like that? Only an extremists. Now it could be you. You could be saying I'm doing a kind of ad hominem fallacy. We discussed ad hominem with uh, uh, for a YouTuber known as Terminal Philosophy. Um, are ad hominem fallacies right? Uh, are they are they consistent? Um, so you could say that my sympathy with extremists comes my with from ad hominem arguments, um, which sometimes I get accused of of buying into here. But like I say with Peter Hitchens. In that episode, Peter Hitchens has a great article at his own blog. You know, it said that Christ would be accused of be committing ad hominem fallacies, um, which is basically not practicing what you preach in that sense. So maybe this is another thing that moderates um, moderates are lacking of. But the, but but it could be the case. It could be the case that certain things are unlivable. Um, uh, it's actually unlivable for everyone to fully follow through. With their presuppositions and their first person, first point of view, ethical premises, uh, which you know, so maybe maybe the conservatives, maybe the sort of pragmatic progressives and pragmatic pragmatic conservatives and centrists are right, and they built a livable society. Um, but uh, I will say the intellectual extremes do matter um, in that sense. I will at minimum say that. Maybe they're not more logical. Maybe I'll back away from that. So maybe livability or flourishing is another axiom that should be brought up for an argument. But then we're moving away from the arena uh, of, of logic, so to speak. So what do you make of my further comments here regarding terrorism? Do you think, do you think the idea that terrorism works is largely a correct empirical hypothesis? Um, and then, what does this have to? What does it? Does this further strengthen the view that extremists uh, are more "quote unquote" logical, or, or or am I getting into ad hominem territory, which is dubious? So then, no, no, you're entirely right. I mean, ter- of course, terrorism works. I mean, the easy example of there is the IRA in Northern Ireland. Um, we had the the Belfast or Good Friday Agreement in 1997 which changed the face of Northern Ireland. We got rid of the royals for constabulary and replaced the Northern Ireland police service. Um, You have loads of IRA prisoners released. Um, 
and a commitment that if they want to at some point have a referendum on joining the Republic of Ireland. Uh, I mean, the IRA got a lot of what they wanted. Did the did the unionists get much of what they wanted? No. Did really much of like the the Ulster sort of um, terrorist group, well, the paramilitary groups, the UDF and stuff? No. I mean, they, they clearly won. I mean, because violence works. I mean, it's, it's obviously true. How does how do countries get territory from another country? They kill other people and take it. Terrorism is just, to a large extent, non-state actors engaging in violence to achieve their goals. So, of course, it works. Um, and they tend to be consistent. I mean, insofar as, you know, you believe killing the infidel uh, and and dying in the process is going to give you good brownie points with God, then, yeah, good. Of course you'd do it. I mean, is it livable? Well, not for very long in that case, obviously. Um, but is it going to create a, a good society? Well, that's what, then the question is, no, should you really attempt to do so? Should you go all apocalyptic and go, actually, you know, to hell with the world? You know, should we just, uh, it doesn't matter what the consequence. I mean, this is really just going into the whole sort of like consequentialist, the ontological kind of position. You know, should, should you just focus on the outcomes and or should you just focus on what's good and what's right? Um, and it seems to be the conservatives do focus on sort of the consequences. Um, so m- more so. And, and you could say that, although interestingly, even though most people, they aren't conservatives in the way that the traditional conservatives say, they do tend to have a small C conservative out, uh, mindset. So, I mean, for instance, if you were to suggest, say, abolishing the central bank, uh, they'll go, no, no, you'll create uncertainty and it'll be unsettling. It's like, well, well yeah, it would, but it doesn't mean it's not a bad, a, a bad idea. Um, so, yeah, cl- cl- clearly um, um, terrorism works. Terrorism works if you have a set of goals which can be brought about by terrorism, um, which you know, if you want to occupy another society, this is where terrorism doesn't work. Um, so it's like if you want to create a Jeffersonian Republic in, in Afghanistan, um, for every, for every, you know, if you blow up a, if you blow up a, up a building containing a terrorist leader and you happen to kill his young daughter or his wife or whatever, or his servant, the local news people and papers will of course report that Americans kill local servant. Um, <laughs> and then, and then that'll create more terrorists because what a heinous act. And it's, it does, it does the same thing in reverse way. Uh, you know, it doesn't help. You know this in in the lead up to World War One. You know, w- w- would American and en- about American entry. I mean, there was the myth of the what called the rape of Belgium, which is th- the idea that Germans acted brutally in Belgium, which brought in uh, I forget the brought in the United States or Britain, but it, they did not act that nicely. So, like, it's it's in, in a sense, in a sense, sometimes the even the counter propaganda sometimes is true too. Uh, it, it, it sometimes is true too. So. So it is. It just seems like terrorism, on a on a and terrorists by definition, are more consistent. I will also say that you know if you want to call State Department terrorists, uh, whether their goals are achieved, uh, they're at least consistent. You know, I think a State Department terrorist, someone like Henry Kissinger, or someone like Bomber Harris. Well, that's the English uh, State Department, uh, but they're they're in a sense more consistent. Uh, I was there was recently a interview between. Um, uh, Scott Horton and uh, Douglas McGregor, I believe, and they were talking about apparently um, it, uh, Teddy Roosevelt and uh, the oil guy Rockefeller. He wanted to send. He told Roosevelt he should go send the army over to Iran, invade it, and take the oil. And this is this is kind of like a classic mercantilist move. And he said, "Well, I can't actually do that." But there's a certain sense where he responded, "Like, why not? We did it. We did it. We did it elsewhere." Why not do it here? It's actually there's more lucrative money to be made and resources to control. Um, it's, in, it's an interesting interchange between two of the most powerful people in the world at the time. So, so I do think I do think this goes back to the anarchism dispute and the Carl Schmitt dispute over like what counts as legitimate violence, um, um, because because the only way moderates will do violence is if the state instructs them to do so. Uh, th- well. In general, or it's crime, but again, crime is something that 
in general, in a half-functioning society, is generally kept to the fringes. Um, it, in a certain sense, as I discussed before an episode on justice, if crime reaches a certain level, it's no longer a society. It is just near anarchy, for better or for worse. Um, it, or it's anarcho-tyranny, which is the idea that, it's the Sam Francis idea, that, uh, you know, the only rules the state enforces are the sort of the rules against certain people, members. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't create order in the, uh, in, in the, in the sense it creates disorder. It enforces rules like gun control, which is that disarming, enforces rules like high taxation. So I will say that would be my, um, my pushback here against the idea of terror. Uh, well, not my pushback, but pushback against the critics of the extremists uh, from the sort of center right, um, that historically, you have to sort of look at terrorism in a, in a sober light and not overreact to it too. So maybe maybe a way to deal with terrorism is not overreacting here. If you if if you want to be a moderate, um, if someone does something crazy, and and you you don't want to reward terrorist behavior, that would be a way out of it. Uh, but that but that by definition is hard to do, and I think it stems from. What counts as legitimate, illegitimate violence? What do you make of my accounting of illegitimate slash illegitimate violence? Many of the instances I brought up uh, in my first six examples, such as the slave rebellions, such as the abortion debate over punishment, have to do with violence. So people are okay with calling abortion a murder unless, unless you start talking about punishing people. Then, then the guns, in a sense, come out here, uh, and that's sort of or, or, or banning the procedure here. Then, in the sense, the guns, in the sense, people's sort of skin in the game gets entered here, because that's what the state, by most defenders of the state, want to deal with is violence. You know, it's not, it's not a nice entity here. So, like, there's certain statists that I can intellectually think about, someone like Schmidt, but also others. Um, you know, the state is a gun, the state is a cage, the state is a policeman. It's not, it's not a welfare, it's not a nice guy. So what, what do you make about the illegitimate versus legitimate violence uh, distinction here? Do you have any comments on that? It is certainly the case that most people would think that the state sanctioned violence is legitimate and the other one isn't. Uh, I think I remember hearing that soldiers in wartime, if they kill people, basic, to, well, to a large extent, don't particularly care. So, well, you know, I was told to do it by the state and the effort was fine. But um, if you have people who've killed people in their own homes and other things like that, they tend to be psychologically more impacted by it uh, in such a way that they look back negatively on it in a way that they wouldn't do, say, in wartime sanctioned by the state. Um, and I'd agree entirely when it comes to, you know, you hold these abstract opinion uh, views of abortion is murder and it's like, well, should we treat it like murder then? Well, maybe not. Or is it murder then? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think that's um, that's entirely the case. Just just something I forgot to mention, I thought I was going to. Just another way to uh, argue how the... Oh, okay, so with, how the politicians, although they seem moderate, actually aren't, um, is, is they look like they're inconsistent. Uh, but actually they are consistent. It's just that we don't know what their premises are. Because their premises normally are... I need to do things that are in my interest and make make the most money, most prestige and power that I can. So I'll do what I can to achieve it, in which case they're entirely consistent. Uh, if your goal was to grow the bureaucratic state, then then lots of government action makes entire sense, even though it looks um, like it's wrong on the outside. Um, also, another point as well, just on the moderates, it's not surprising the moderates... Um, mush around and don't hold extreme positions because holding extreme positions would rock the boat. And if you were to rock the boat and they might earn less money, that'd be bad. Um, so, uh, yeah. So two things, one people might look like they're inconsistent, but they actually aren't. You just don't know what their premises are. And secondly, a lot of people don't really care. They just want to have a lot of people are just consequentialists. And as long as it's in their interest, they'll just believe it. And that's kind of, um, that's kind of fine. So, my final question here for Swithin: Are are you an extremist? I would say, on a logical level, I am clearly an extremist. I mean, I'm a I'm a right wing anarchist. If someone held me down, told me my views, I would say 
you know, it to sound I'm a Christian, I would say, I mean, my opposition to Christianity is basically just too extreme. So that there's a sense in which I'm not an extremist. Um, my views, I think there's some unlivable aspect of, you know, Ayn Rand would say, who much, has lots of issues, I know, uh, would say that Christianity, her philosophy is a philosophy for living on Earth. I would say Christianity is, that's one lacking problem of it. So, like, when people talk about flourishing, you know, it seems like Christianity properly done will lead to, will lead to your martyrdom. Um, so, I would say that that's an area where I'm not an extremist. Uh, although, I'm on the Although on a logical level, I am on the road to that. Uh, so I was a class of myself as a moderate. And I, I, I look at other quote-unquote extremists in other lands and other societies, and both now and historically, largely sympathetically. I mean, do I want to live in Afghanistan? No. Do I think the Taliban should... Well, and that's, they rule there, so there's nothing we can do about it. Maybe China or Iran can overtake them, but the United States or Britain can't. Nor is it worthwhile. Um, so I look at like the Viet Cong, I look at the Taliban, I look at the American revolutionaries, I look at Lincoln's. Like Lincoln, like even though Lincoln was an extremist, the people behind Lincoln, um, who won the Civil War, were kind of extremists. I mean, in the end, by the time, by the standards of the time. So are you an extremist? In what areas are you not an extremist? I've outlined one area where I'm not an extremist. Um, what what would you be? Would you you know, what's your sympathies towards other quote-unquote extremists with him? Well, I like to consider myself an extremist um, because it's fun and it annoys people I don't like. Um, but yeah, I mean, clearly politically I'm an extremist um, just just by standard conventional terms. Um, what am I not an extremist in? Well... Well, I know it's an extremist in other things, but I said it was somewhat unconven- unconventional in most things. Um, although, I think my views on sort of architecture are probably held by most people. Oh, interestingly, there, um, the architects are the extremists, because those are the ones who, who think that uh, horrible cubes are beautiful. Although they probably don't, because they probably live in a traditionally designed house instead. But the ones they build and get lots of floors for look terrible. Um, so I mean, there's, there's quite a few things that I, I think I'm sort of relatively uh, not extreme. But I mean, the, the whole point of extremism, though, is it's like extreme relative to what? Um, if, if you live in a crazy world, you end up being an extremist. Um, so e- even sort of like, I mean, so, so for instance, in a way that I could say I'm not an extremist is I think Ed Faser's argument for the um, for the reality of change is correct and he cites that as being a as a moderate position because the this extreme positions of parmenides saying that everything is static and change is an illusion and heraclitus everything is flux and permanency is an illusion and well no following aristotle no no there is there is change and there is permanence which seems to me to be a um a sort of moderate position in a way it's sort of like the idea of like golden mean is a moderate position uh, it's just that in today's society, what actually constitutes the golden mean might look somewhat extreme. Um, I suppose uh, that would be the way I'd look at it. I don't really have any further comments. I mean, this is just a hypothesis I have. Uh, there might be counterexamples where the extremists... I mean, one way the extremists could be wrong is that like they could just be outright wrong in a way that is just un- irredeemable or unredeemable or, or, or unsalvageable. Uh, so, you know, if you think Marxism is an error, which I do, in some level, for all their consistency, if they're starting from a labor theory of value and the idea that capitalist employers are exploitative and the capitalist system is exploitative, whatever they reason from that, and however crazily they follow through with that in all their consistency, in a sense, it will lead to false, patently false conclusion. So the only, if you're wrong... I mean, this this goes back to our humility episode, I guess. If you're wrong, being an extremist is a lot worse than being a moderate. But if you're right, then it's then it's um, then then you're sort of in a sense half right. So maybe you're maybe it's a kind of hedge. Uh, so we're not clear if men and women are equal. So we'll do we'll go half feminism or something like that. We're not clear about the state, so we'll just have a a small state or a medium to growing state. Uh, but see, this is where this is where on you know, intellectual level, 
it's it's very difficult to sort of have a clear discussion about anything if if you hold a mushy middle position uh, on on a matter. So that'd be my final comment. It could be it could be it could be it is probably quote unquote dangerous to hold um, you know the extreme position. I mean, this comes from from my understanding the Latin radical comes from the root. Um, if you think about that on a tree, you know, in a sense, the root is more closely centered than the, 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 the branch, a crooked branch on the outside. I might be mixing up this metaphor here. Uh, but I, I, I do think, I do think the extremists on, if you read intellectual history, you know, we mainly read the extremists of the times, uh, as well. We don't read, we don't read the moderates of the time. Uh, so that'd be that be my final conclusion. It could be dangerous. Um, it could be it could be unlivable, and you could be totally wrong. So that that'd be a big error of being a quote unquote extremist here. Um, you also might not pass on your genes as much. Um, that's you know there's before we had a little pre talk here is like you know and I, I was thinking do extremists have more kids than moderates? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, you know the it seems like if if being a Moderate makes you more socially agreeable, which makes you better able to exist in society to have lots have offspring. Then it seems like um, the moderates may win out for the, the the majority here, which is which wouldn't be surprising per se. But that, that that's my my uh, apology uh, apology for extremists here. That would be my another episode title for this. You could do. So within any final comments and thanks for doing this relatively extreme episode. Uh, yeah, you're uh, just. A, I did a check. You're right. The the r- word radical comes from the Latin meaning root. So uh, you're correct there. You're correct there. Uh, when it comes to extremism and, and birth rate, that's an interesting question. I mean, the difficulty there's a certain sub amounts of people who you could consider extremists. The Amish, for instance, who have high fertility rates. But then the question is, well, should you yourself adopt an extremist posture? individually because that would depend on presumably to some extent extreme females being around uh to some extent uh or at least agnostic and want lots of babies um so i mean you're gonna get something like collect you could be something like a collective action problem in certain respects um but yeah um extremists are interesting and um are and come up with more more and different ideas, and so intellectually, extremists are uh, are, are a good uh, sparring partner, and uh, I I enjoy the extremists. Uh, I find them much more interesting. I'd much rather read something from the radical left or the hard right than to watch MSNBC or Fox News. And with that, I would like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean and YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcryinglibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcryinglibertyshow at gmail.com.